Thanks for tuning in to the Newborn Promise Podcast, a production of Graham Blanchard Incorporated. You are listening to an interview with author Karis Kimmel-Murray called Grace-Based Discipline, Part 2. For today's show notes, transcript, or more information about your Newborn Promise Project, please visit grahamblanchard.com. Welcome back to the Newborn Promise Podcast. I am Audra Haney, and today I'm thrilled to bring you part two of our discussion with author Karis Kimmel-Murray about her book, Grace-Based Discipline. Last week, Karis started a passionate and wisdom-packed conversation about how discipline and grace are inseparable and how the heart of our Heavenly Father shines when we set this tone in our homes. Karis really gave us a big picture view of grace-based discipline and the theology behind her views, so please go back and catch it if you missed it. Today, we ask Karis to dig even deeper to get into the nitty-gritty and share about some of the helpful and practical exercises in her book. These can really help parents celebrate all the unique personalities under their roof set rules and boundaries as a family unit, and implement appropriate consequences without being driven by emotions. We really hope this conversation today helps you become, as she so perfectly puts it, a more prepared first responder to the discipline issues in your home. Karis, we are so excited to continue this conversation with you today about grace-based discipline. You know, in your book, one thing you really challenge parents to do when it comes to implementing discipline is to really know ourselves and our children. You have a lot of great exercises in your book for parents to accomplish this a little better. Would you mind just starting today by telling us a bit about your country's exercise? Yeah, in my book, I wanted my book to be a a lot of big ideas, but then I wanted it to also be practical. I wanted to give parents very practical um, steps, things that they can do to actually learn how to incorporate uh, an atmosphere of grace into their home by doing. Because I believe that the most powerful way we learn is by actually putting things into practice right away. And so one of one of the things uh, about having a grace-based home is that we give the people that live within our home as much freedom as possible mm. to live into the person that God created them to be, to live according to their sort of bent. And trust me, if you have any more than just yourself living your in your home, you're going to recognize the fact that we're all different, mm. like so different. I mean, even even a parent and a child that may have a lot of things in common, there's going to be some really distinct dis- differences between them. And if you have more than one child, it's like you're never going to have two the same. So you think you have one figured out and then you have the second one and it goes totally differently. <laughs> <laughs> and so I give parents a project uh, called the Kids Flag Page. Now, I, I actually did not invent this, but um, my dad, Dr. Tim Kimmel, partnered with a ministry called Laugh Your Way. Um, Mark Gunger heads up that ministry, Dr. Mark Gunger, and they created um, a, it's almost a personality test. It's in an in-depth personality profile um, that kind of discovers the countries. There are four 
countries that sort of mimic the four quadrants of personalities. So there's control country, there's peace country, there's perfect country, and there's fun country. And everybody sort of, they have a, a home country where they primarily reside, and then they have an adopted country that sort of modifies their, their home country a little bit. So for example, I am fun control. My main country is fun. It matters most to me that everybody's having a good time. Um, but my, my adopted country is control. I'm a firstborn. I'm, I'm not necessarily a type A firstborn, but I'm a, still a firstborn. Um, and so I don't really care that things are perfect. I don't care that people are doing things perfectly. I care that they're doing them my way. <laughs> right. Yeah. So easy. Just do what I'm telling you to do and everything will be fine. Right. Well, my husband is, is peace control and my daughters are peace fun and control fun. And so we're all different. And um, so this exercise that I kind of point you to in the book, you can order this for your kids from our ministry. You can you can do the kids flag page and make those discoveries about your kids. Um, but even if you don't purchase that product, I kind of lead you through a process of learning learning about your kids. And so that you can let them sort of live under their flag. And, and recognize our differences, not as things that we ought to disparage, but as things to celebrate. That's such a cool exercise. And I, I think this deeper understanding of the dynamics in our homes could really resolve a lot of conflict on the front end. Another great suggestion you have is creating a family code. Talk to me about why you found it so important to create that in your home and how has it helped you guys clarify your family rules, boundaries, and even goals? Yeah, this is the other the, the other project in my book that I lead people through. Um, and this came about because I was in the process of, of writing this book. And I, I knew I really needed to help give some guidance on what, what rules should you have? Because rules are important. God has rules and, and boundaries um, for us that he asks us to obey. And any, any grace-based parent is going to have rules. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, we have some rules around our house. I wonder if my kids could tell me what they think the rules are. Like, I know what I think they are, but I'm curious to know what they think they are. And so I kind of little did a little impromptu experiment and I asked them what the rules were. Um, my older one, and this is her personality, she seemed to think that everything that I had that had annoyed me over the last week or that I had asked her not to do or that I had gotten upset with her for doing needed to be a rule. Like, you know, don't leave scissors on the couch and don't cut your hair and leave it in the sink. And it's like, yeah, well, those <laughs> those are you know, very specific. That's not exactly what I was thinking the rules were. And then I asked my younger one at a different time. And, you know, it was like she couldn't come up with anything that was a rule uh, other than never, uh, never turn down a chance to use the bathroom. And I thought, well, that's, <laughs> that's a good principle, but that's not exactly where I was going. And so I was like, well, clearly my kids aren't clear on this. And if they're mm -hmm. not clear on this, how can they stay within boundaries if they don't know what they are? So that led us to a process of, hey, let's have a family meeting. Let's sit down. Let's have the Murray Family Summit. I'll make brownies. I'll let you eat all sorts of junk food that I don't normally let you eat as a means of bribery for you to <laughs> sit down. And let's all talk together, my husband and I and our two girls, about rules. 
and let's start to brainstorm. What what are some rules that we have? Let's start to list them. What what rules maybe we haven't talked about, but we think we should have. And we started writing them down and they ran the gamut. I mean, some were kind of ridiculous and some were really good. Um, and so we saw some very clear categories of rules. We saw some safety rules, things that had to do with with keeping us safe. We, we saw some house rules, things that were more sort of like regulations. They were very specific to our family and our preferences, but they weren't things that could really be universal, but they were helpful. They're things that helped our, our home run smoothly. And then we saw some things that were, were less rules and they were more like moral or biblical principles. Mm-hmm. And we, when I saw that, I thought, you know what, that's the key. All these other things, these are kind of written in pencil and they need to be very flexible um, because they, they have everything to do with our specific situation. But these biblical principles, these moral um, rules, this is where we ought to really, you know, base our code. And so we came up with a list of 10, um, 10 principles, basically, that our family lives by, because we saw that if we lived by these biblical principles, and if we focused on building character, a lot of the other stuff just works itself out. Um, and uh, and I also, I recommend to parents, have rules, but have as few as possible. Because if you have too many nitpicky rules, it sets everybody up to fail. Nobody can be perfect all the time. And so you're going to be like a traffic cop constantly regulating behavior if you have too many nitpicky rules. Have some that are safety rules, have some that are that are house rules, but focus your, your rules in your house in uh, building biblical character, forgiveness, honesty, integrity, courage, things like that. Mm, that's so powerful. And as we do get these rules and boundaries, our, our family codes clarified, and we've taken the time to get to know our children, what does it now look like to respond to these behavior issues that need correcting with grace? Yeah, I think once you're kind of at that point where you you've you've created this heart connection with your kids, your family is for the most part operating within a context of grace every every day. That that has really sort of transformed your home, um, and you've got some clear um, clear rules and standards that you've just said. Look, th- this is what is expected of all of us, parents included. Um, and then you have a consistent sort of maybe rebellion against one of those principles. I would say, um, you know, that's when we step in. And obviously, there's a lot of correction that happens when our kids are very young because we're teaching them everything. Mm-hmm. And so for your listeners that are getting ready to be parents or who have young kids, you know, your role at the beginning is going to be about, you know, getting them fed getting them sleeping, teaching them proper um, communication, teaching them to share, teaching them to say please and thank you. Like that's going to be your focus, but they are going to kind of come out of that. And you're going to see there is going to be a day where you're going to see sin manifest itself in your child Um, because we all give, give birth to or adopt sinners. That, that is, that is the truth. All of us are sinners. We all have the capacity to sin and even our, our young children do. Um, so it shouldn't 
surprise us, shouldn't shock us, although it still does because we just think, oh my gosh, my sweet baby just (laughs) slapped her sister across the face. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, it shouldn't shock us that, that our kids are sinful. And so ultimately the Holy Spirit has to transform their heart and get a hold of them. Um, but we can come in and then apply some pressure uh, in order to redirect and to reform and to correct our kids. Um, and so depending on their ages, we really have to, um, we have to base those consequences in their currency. Mm, yes, and you do a great job of talking about these currencies, as you call them, in your book. Would you mind giving our listeners just a brief description of what you mean by that and, and how that kind of applies age by age? Obviously, when we're talking about consequences, we're kind of talking about negative consequences. I'm not really talking about, because consequences can be positive. If you're thinking of, uh, of consequences as whatever it is happens based on a choice, obviously there are positive consequences for good choices. Um, I'm more referring to uh, some negative consequences that we administrate, that we um, kind of give our kids. And so for uh, very young kids, for I'm thinking toddlers, about one and a half to three and a half years old, toddler's currency is having things. Mm. They want to possess things. And if you have a toddler, you've seen this play out. Uh, possessing objects in particularly in particular they if they can see it right now in the moment they assume it belongs to them and they want to have it um, this is just developmental and so we can base a consequence in removing uh, an object that our child wants to possess or removing them from the situation in which they're trying to possess the object that is a very effective quick consequence that, plays into their currency. Um, and for preschoolers, so this is about three and a half to five years old, their currency is doing. So they they want to possess objects, but then they want to be doing pleasurable activities, things that they find fun. So if you have to put some pressure on them for their behavior, you can uh, take them away from doing the thing that they're wanting to do. Or if they have the capacity to understand time a little bit, this is the older preschoolers say, I'm sorry, we cannot go to the park now because you made that choice. School age kids, it's being, it's being with in relationships with people who they value, their friends. Uh, teens, their currency is independence. Mm. And so if we're going to pick a, an appropriate and effective consequence, we have to understand what our kids' currency is um, because it's not going to cost them anything uh, emotionally, if we try to remove or eliminate something that they don't value. And that also plays into understanding our kids and their countries too, because that is their personality is going to matter in what they value. And, and so that's why we do so much work in the book before we even get to the point of learning about consequences, because you have to know enough about your kid and where they're at to be able to pick an, an appropriate and effective consequence. And you talk a lot about how we really have to do the hard work of evaluating each violation and even our child's heart motivations in this corrective process. Why is this so important? We have to stop and ask questions when we see if we see a pattern of behavior in our kids that is is troublesome. And it's not just, you know, them 
doing things that are developmental. You know, if, if they're just, they haven't grown out of their stupid yet for a lot of their <laughs> child yet, but they're going to do stuff that we're just like, I don't know why you did that. You don't know why you did that. Nobody knows why you did that. Trying to figure out why is futile. It, we just have to try to get you to 18 without <laughs> going to the hospital too many times and without going to prison. Like we're just because <laughs> kids do dumb stuff because they don't have fully formed prefrontal cortexes. Um, but sometimes they, our kids act out because they're trying to meet a legitimate need mm. in an illegitimate way. And so my dad talked a lot about inner needs, um, the need for security, for significance, for strength, for hope. Um, our kids can also have physical needs they're trying to meet. This is especially true for parents of young kids. If mm -hmm. they're hungry and tired, we call that hangry, <laughs> they're yes. going to act out. They just are. And probably the most powerful thing that you can do, remove them from the situation that they're in where they're acting out say, we cannot act this way, but I understand that you are hungry and tired. Let's give you a snack and put you down for a nap. Um, uh, also, there can be special needs. I have a daughter who has ADHD. Um, and so we went through a time period with her with where so much of what we were dealing with was really her ADHD um, rearing its, its ugly head and totally dominating um, our home. And so once we saw that, I thought, look, I still have to correct her. I still have to redirect her. We still have to have the same standards of behavior. But there's a lot of things she's up against that she can't control right now. And I need to get her treatment. And if I don't get her treatment, so much of, of what I'm doing is not going to have a chance to matter. So you might also have something like that with your kids where you're going, look, they have some special needs and I need to get them some help. Um, so looking at their motivation also helps direct us, um, to determine what things we need to focus on right now and what we can do to set our kids up for success. I love that. And you share that while consequences are so important, there are some things that can be destructive when it comes to our discipline. Can you share some things that should not come tagged on to our consequences? Yeah, I would say what we, what we don't want to do is react based on our emotions. Emotions matter. They they kind of act as a fire alarm for us, but we can't make our decisions purely based on emotion. When we do that, it almost always steers us toward doing what's best for us. We, we slip into set a, kind of a fight or flight self-protection mode. Um, and, and so we might yell, we might, um, we might get uh, angry to the point that we uh, say or do things that harm our child that aren't right. Um, we might we might actually um, react to something that annoys us a lot or bothers us a lot, but actually isn't a big deal in the long run. I, I think that's that's something that's so hard because our kids throw so much at us every day. I mean, they it's just coming in waves constantly. If you have more than one kid, they're both going for it all, all day long. I have two <laughs> strong, I have two strong-willed kids and you have a strong-willed kid. If your kid's will at some time, at, at times is stronger than yours, which there are, there, that's my definition. It's like, how do you know if I have a strong-willed kid? Well, is their will stronger than yours at times? Then, then yes, you have one. Um, and so it's so easy to try to, to, 
fight every battle. So we've got to pick our battles. We've got to, we, we need to focus on what is going to be most important in the long run, because a lot of those uh, things that annoy us are maybe actually our kid just living according to their, their country, but it's opposite of our country. And so we, we actually start to punish them for being who they are. So we're punishing them for things that, that we shouldn't be, or, you know, maybe we do need to ask them to modify their behavior a little bit, but we're overreacting to it. And so to respond, we, we've got to kind of come out of that fight or flight mode so that we can really think. And, and, and that's key. That's so good. And you know, something that's really changed the tone of our home lately is that a lot of us can see these discipline issues even early on as a really inconvenient interruption in our family lives. I think there's a lot of power as we change our perspectives. And you really challenge parents to see discipline moments as opportunities for the gospel. Tell me about your heart behind that. Yeah, I, I, I say in the book that our homes are laboratories for the gospel. Mm. That That is truly, um, I mean, I get choked up just thinking about that because the, the weight of that, the responsibility of that, uh, I think weighs heavy on every parent's heart and especially every Christian parent's heart. Our kids will um, experiment with faith under our roof. Even if it doesn't look that way to us, they're looking at us and they're saying, does your faith actually work? Mm. And, that, and that is this postmodern culture that we're in that I don't see going away anytime soon. It used to be that you, you could tell people um, it, it, because it is true, it will work. I'm telling you that this is true it will work. And people would take that at face value. Now it's the opposite. Uh, The millennial generation and younger, my kids' generation, this next one coming up, they say, if it works, then it's true. Mm. If I don't see it work, I don't believe it. I can't believe it. And so if we say we believe in a big God who is powerful, who is loving, who is kind, who gives us grace, but our kids don't see that actually playing out in how we interact with each other, how we interact with our neighbors, how we interact in our professions. If they don't see that actually working, then then they're very unlikely to place their faith there. And obviously, this it, it, ultimately, it's all the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is... Uh, who changes hearts. And so we need to be praying for our kids every day that God will just pursue them like a lion and that he will find them, that he will chase them down and not let them rest in- until they turn to him. That I pray that for my, my girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have both given their hearts to the Lord. They're teenagers now. Um, but they're looking at us. They'll, they'll know that grace transforms if they see it transform us. Wow, Karis, thank you so much. This is so challenging and yet so encouraging. And I can't imagine what an inspiration this is to brand new parents starting out. Here's to close. Would you mind just praying for these parents as they start or even continue this journey of grace-based discipline? Absolutely. Dear Father God, you're a good, good father. You're a father who loves, who is merciful, who shows kindness and favor and grace to us, Lord. And we need it. We need it so desperately. 
Um, I just want to pray now for, for these new moms and dads who are staring down what feels like a barrel of parenting. Often um, we're afraid. We're just so afraid that we're going to mess this up, that we're going to mess our kids up. We know how precious they are. We know how vital our role is. We know how much is at stake, Lord, and we're just terrified that we're going to mess it up. And so we come to you daily uh, with just a desperation that you will fill us with your grace, that, that your grace will transform us, that it will give us peace, that it will bring us courage, knowing that you are a God who we can trust and that you, that you, you Lord, are bigger than anything that we will face. Help us to remember that when it counts, Lord. And, and as we raise these sweet, precious children that you've given us, as we pr- prepare to send these legacies into a world that many of us um, likely won't see, they get, to, they get to reach into the future and make a difference, Lord. Just, just grant us your grace that, that we won't feel like we have to do any of this in our own power, but that your power will fill us, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us again. We pray these episodes with Karis have made you feel more confident, equipped, and inspired to implement grace-based discipline in your own home. Remember, you can get today's show notes, transcript, and more information about your Newborn Promise Project at GrahamBlanchard.com.